Welcome to the Restless Midlifer podcast, helping you get life back on your terms and recapture that spirit of adventure. It's episode 49, and I want to develop the idea of self-cabotage in this episode, which I'm going to come on to um, in due course. Remember that this is part of a series that I'm doing around regrouping, you know, getting your head back from the stresses to allow your head to to some space to think about the goals and the dreams that you want to work towards. So don't forget, check out episodes 41, 43, 45, and 47, uh, where, where I explore different aspects of that. And don't forget the interviews as well uh, in the mean, you know, in between those as well. Which brings me to the next episode is with Richard Deiter, who is a writer and a coach who works with other writers to help them write more effectively and get more creative and productive. And what we do is we explore how his approach using clean language as amongst other things, and that's not swear like not not swearing in in his work, um, using clean language as an approach to help us as restless midlifers in shifting our thinking out of the ruts. Or, you know, as we explore in this episode, out of the narratives that can close off more open thinking. And don't forget, you can learn more about embracing your own Restless Midlife by jumping over to RestlessMidlifer.com to check out the Midlife Readventure program, the Academy, and to sign up to receive the regular updates, tips, tools, strategies, and offers, and to help you regroup, reshape, and redesign your own Restless Midlife and the adventure that awaits. I don't want to diminish the challenges you have and the cabbages you're juggling. Uh, let's be right. Life is real. Life gets real and can be challenging. But there are things I think that we can do to help and also do to hinder how we cope. I mean, I bet you know somebody who, despite the challenges um, that they're coping with and the obvious amount that they seem to be dealing with, they seem to handle it. They seem to take it in their stride. They seem to have the tools in the kit and the ability to cope. Now, okay, so let's assume that that's genuine and not a facade because that's a totally different thing. I mean, you know, we're all potentially all capable of putting that facade on and, and inside it's all going off and we're struggling. But let's assume, we, I'm sure we know one or two people who just seem to have have the abilities to, to pull it together, to cope, etc. And here's the thing, what can we learn? And this is where I want to return to the concept of our inner narratives. What are the stories we tell? What are the stories we tell ourselves about the world around us, about others, about what should and should not happen and about our place in the world and about our worth in terms of our place in the world. And this is where, and I've talked about this over numerous episodes in the past, but I want to develop this in a particular way. Are the stories we tell ourselves helping or hindering or even bringing about in an almost self-fulfilling prophecy way, bringing about more of the struggles, more of the challenges and the demands. Now, I hesitate to use that self-fulfilling prophecy word because I don't subscribe to this idea of thoughts become things and you create your own reality, a reality in the extreme. You know, without getting too philosophical because I'm totally outside of my wheelhouse on that, let's just work with and accept um, that where we are where we are, we're experiencing what we experience, whether or not it's a product of past choices or decisions, good or bad luck or all of the above, we are where we are. You know, we can park with philosophical discussions for another time, and I love having those as well, incidentally. But we are where we are. And accepting that with minimal judgment can help us move from that self-sabotage, or as I call it, self-cabotage, to, okay, so what can I do? What can I do? Or what could I do? The latter, the could, being an antidote, I think, to the word should. Can we turn that should to a could? I think that the word should is a word that often... If we're using it, we can find ourselves putting ourselves under pressure, limiting our option or closing off other ways of seeing a situation. So for me, it's about shifting that should to a could. 
But that said, okay, yeah, yeah, that said, the point I'm trying to make is that irrespective of the reality we're in, there is a large part to be played by how we interpret it. And our core narratives, a bit like that commentator at a sports game, constantly talking away and just reporting on the progress of the game, that narrative, that core narratives play a huge part in how we make sense of the world and our place in it. And they can act as a filter through which potential action or ideas are funneled. And that can perhaps lead to the elimination of new ideas, the blocking of things, the, the blocking of seeing things differently, and even re -exist, reinforcing existing labels as well. And those stories we tell ourselves become, it becomes such a part of our day-to-day -day lives that we can identify with them. We become those stories. I remember, this is a one that I've, I've mentioned before, but I remember accepting a label I had heard my granddad use about himself. I'm a born warrior. It's who I am. I can't change that. Now, my granddad was crippled with worry and anxiety for, you know, I, I, we could never work out why childhood experience, we don't know, but it was it was a, a crippling form of worry. And having experienced worry to an extent and a, or a certain level of extreme, I can identify, although I was never in his shoes and I, and I could see the anguish and pain that he was in. But that was something he used to say. And I used to think at the time, and this was as a kid, I used to think, Yes, you can. You can. You're not a born warrior. You can do something. You can change. But I think as a kid, you know, you have that openness. Ironically, I later adopted it as the story and as my own truth. And I subsequently identified with it. I'm a born warrior. It's who I am. I can't change. And which this meant, this is why I want to think about some of the stories that, and the things you might be telling yourselves about yourself or the world or all men are this, all women are that, all people are, they are this, that, and the other. Um, the stories we tell ourselves become that truth, and it meant I see the world through those filters. Uh, the options I considered in dealing with a situation or handling an experience filtered out anything that might have alt alerted me really to any other possibility uh, or how it could be different. And I think this is where many of us can fall foul. Um, in coaching clients and in conversations and in training, I see these narratives and these stories betraying themselves in the words we use and the explanation you know, and the explanations we give. Now, just as a quick aside, I don't spend 24 or seven analyzing everything around me in every conversation. Or, you know, if we had a friendly conversation, I'm not on duty in that sense. In fact, I, I often catch myself doing this and realize that my own stories are, are surfacing, but I'm not alert to them all of the time. How exhausting would that be? So it's about giving ourselves a break. I'll come back to that. But it's about realizing that, you know, these stories are there all the time. Certain particular stories are recurring. They might dress up in different clothes, but they're recurring, and it's catching them as they happen. And I often catch myself with a story that I've dressed up in different clothes and replayed for weeks before I discover it. But in essence, what I see is that because life is full on, and our head can get so full of the stuff that we're not alert, you know, that so full of that stuff, we're not as alert to the stories because they. They, they're actually doing a job of helping us filter through the myriad of divine de demands and in its way trying to help us make life easier to navigate through life. And incidentally, the navigation through life isn't, its priority isn't necessary to make us happy. It's about navigating through life. And sometimes it can make us downright miserable in the process. So I guess this is where I see the difference between that and where one of us, you know, we can start to get a, getting it a little bit more right than before. The first thing is accept that you do this. We all do it. It's shorthand for our overworked brain. It's doing its best. You know, it's 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 working with it 
as I was talking about last week with the Aikido thing, let's work with it rather than fight it or resist it or deny it. Let's not fight it. Let's use it. Let's work with it. So awareness and acceptance, I think, are key parts to that. And recognizing that we all, all of us do this, they are, work is, the world is, I am, it's just the way. All of this kind of language indicates those kinds of narratives and stories. Now, there may be some truth. They may be true or they may not. And for me, more often than not, they're generalizations and there's a, a maybe a smidge of truth, if at all, but we've come to accept it as a truth and hence it becomes a filter. Accept that we do that and then continue on and you can start to see patterns. So the first thing is just start to accept you do it and just start to notice what comes into your awareness through your days and weeks. Don't deli necessarily deliberately pay attention. I'll come back to that. You will start to see themes and patterns. And often that's enough, you know, to jar you into a realization and to therefore to motivate you to action, to challenge and change a story, to catch it more often. And that, I guess one little mistake that just to be aware of is the challenge isn't then to be in that constant monitoring mood, as I mentioned before, you know, that monitoring mode, sorry, not mood, you know, monitoring what you're thinking all the time and, and making making it sort of a, an ever-present effort. These stories are habitual and they often happen at the subconscious level for a reason. I mean, let's be right, you'd be overwhelmed if you did otherwise. So don't, we don't have to be on duty. We don't have to be always on. Like I said, I don't do this all the time. I'd be burned out like a spent match, I guess, if if that were the case. So, And I'd probably hate life too as well if I was always on like that. So how do we do this? Well, it's as always, it's a sprout sweat away. Don't go all or nothing. Just treat this as an ongoing adventure of discovery and growth. Treat this as a growth and perspective and a journey. A journey. Start by accepting you do this. Um, create the narratives to make sense of life. You know, we, that, that's what we do. We create those narratives and we're making sense of life and just accept you do it. And then recognize that those things may not be totally true or maybe completely untrue, or at the very least that there's an alternative interpretation. And that is the bottom line. Accept it and just recognize they may not be true or there's an alternative way of seeing things. Second thing is just start to see what surfaces. As I said, start to check in once or twice a day. And here's where useful is perhaps getting the habit of noticing this after a particularly challenging interaction or experience. Did you notice on reflection, perhaps you're on the bus or the train or they're driving back from somewhere or you're sitting at a moment with a cup after a, an interaction or a Zoom meeting or whatever. Um, you can reflect and start to notice what's come up and just see what comes up. If you start using those, I am, they are, it's typical of, I am hopeless at talking to, um, they have a downer on me, this generalization, then that's what we need to capture. Just, and then start to label it. Now, here's the thing, because I think labeling can be both useful and also destructive. And this is where I want to distinguish between labeling it, not you. If you go back to my example of being a born warrior, I was labeling me. I was identifying with my worry. I was my worry. I was born warrior. I had no choice. I was, I, I was chained to it. But part of the solution for me was to recognize I am not my worry. So it's about labeling the thought, labeling the recurring story, labeling the emotion, the guilt, the th feeling, and labeling it, not you, to create that bit of distance, that little bit of a, a separation. That's guilt. Ah, that's perfectionism again. That's resentment arising. That's anger. Label it so that we start to recognize it is something we're experiencing. Now, I want to be careful here because I don't want to be glib and say this is how it's easy. We just manage our emotions by recognizing this. It can be challenging, particularly if we have some well-ingrained stories and perhaps past painful 
traumatic experiences that have shaped this. So I'm not trying to be glib and I don't want to diminish that. Sometimes we need some support. But if, you, if you've ever engaged in some therapy, therapeutic support, you'll find that some of it often explores this. What are you telling yourself about this and where has that come from? Now, for me as a coach, it's acknowledging that that's the case. What can we do moving forward is let, accept we do it, recognize there may not be truth in it and start to just check in once or twice a day or after a particularly challenging issue to see what surfaces and start to notice the themes and then give them a label. Give them a label, the story, the emotion, the thought, not you. Label it, not you. And that's my takeaway for today because in terms of self-cabotage, that self-sabotage, we need to recognize we are not our self-cabotage. We are not our failure, our setback, our, our, we're not defined by those. We needn't be defined by those things. So let me know your thoughts at Dave at RestlessMidlifer.com. Uh, I'd love to know where, how you manage your perspective to challenge your own self-cabotage. And uh, watch out for the bonus interview, as I said, this Friday with Richard Dida. Some great tips and thoughts in there. And we actually practice a little activity, a little three-minute um, mastermind tool that he, he shared with us. Really useful to help you shift out of the, the, the roots of thinking and perhaps that self-cabotage as well. Take care for now. And remember, you can re-adventure your own Restless Midlife. Thank you for listening. You will find all show notes, links, and resources mentioned at restlessmidlifer.com. And why not spread the word? If you know a fellow Restless Midlifer, share the show and the links. And if you haven't already, subscribe to it in your podcast feed of choice. And one more thing, if you enjoy the show, it would be great if you could rate it by visiting restlessmidlifer.com forward slash review. It would mean a lot. And I may even give you a shout out in return. And a quick final thanks to my production assistant, Karen North of North VA, for, and for the music, which is called Silver Star by the awesome Logan Nicholson of Music for Makers. Check out musicformakers.com. Take care for now. And don't forget, you really can live a less stressful, much healthier and more meaningful midlife. Go re-adventure. <laughs>